Amen. Amen. Wow. If you would, if you take your Bibles tonight and turn to Ezekiel, the 14th chapter, we want to look at verses 1 through 8 tonight and, and, and just an idea, concept that, that really just, um, I think we need to all stop and we need to all to examine. Now, I do want to mention to you that um, when, I, when I looked a while ago at my, my um, battery, I only, had, I only had one out of three bars, so this might have to be a one-bar sermon so I can um, get on through that. And um, and um, I, th- I think Nathaniel talked it out this past Sunday. But I want us to look tonight at, at, at something that, that was going on in, in, in the lives of the people. I, I want you to give a context to what's going on. Ezekiel was a prophet, a mighty prophet of God. And, but Ezekiel did not live in Israel. He was a prophet of Israel, but he did not live in Israel. As a matter of fact, he was part of the, the group that had been taken in captivity to the Babylonians. And now he had... Um, that, that, that he was, was, was in captivity. He was still a, a leading man and, 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 and well-respected man. He was still a, one of the leaders of Israel through his, his preaching. But, but just to understand, this was a people that had lived their life in such a bad way that God had cast them out of the land. He says, you know what? You, you, let me tell you, folks, God's always going to get what's his. That's what's funny, you know, when people think, you know, and, and, and just even the very area of tithing, well, I'm, I want to keep a little bit. God's going to get, folks, it's his anyhow. He's going to get it. As a matter of fact, God had told the people of Israel for, um, to set aside one day of the week as, as, as their Sabbath. And then he told them, he even told them then to, to, to set aside just um, certain weeks for the Sabbath. But for 490 years, the people never kept the Sabbath. In, the, in, the, in what I'm speaking about, where, where every, every seventh year, he would, he, would, he would set it, I mean, every seventh year they were to set aside and lay fallow their grounds. God says, you know what? I'm going to get my Sabbath, so what I'm going to do, you owe me 70 Sabbaths. And so what God had done is he, he took the people and moved them off the land for 70 years. He's going to get what's his. So these were people that, that were in bondage. They, were, they had been moved away. And you would think that when a, person, when, a, when a people would get himself in that type of fix, they'd want to get their eyes back on God. But let's find out where these people were. And I think this is just a very interesting story, but I think it also relates to you and me today. And so I'm going to read for you uh, uh, Ezekiel, the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 8. And, um, and listen to what the Word of God teaches us. It says, Then came the certain elders of Israel unto me, unto Ezekiel. He was, he, he, he was still a, uh, a prophet of, of the Lord, even in captivity. They came and they sat before him. Now, why would they come and sit before Ezekiel? Because obviously they were wanting to hear something from the Lord. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their heart and have put the stumbling block of their, their iniquity before their face. And what that means is that they've put the very thing that causes them to stumble into iniquity before them. He says, should I be inquired of all of them? Should I even listen to them? He says, therefore speak unto them and say unto them, thus saith the Lord of 
God, every man of the house of Israel that, that setteth up his idols in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and then comes unto the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that comes according to the multitude of his idols. That I may take the house of Israel in their own heart because they are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore saith unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, repent. And turn yourselves from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. For every one of the house of Israel, or, or of the stranger that sojourneth in Israel, which separates himself from me, and sets up idols within his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and then comes to me, or comes to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me, I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. He says, and I'll set my face against that man and will make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people, and you shall know that I'm the Lord. So let me just, let me just pray. Father God, we, we ask that you be with us, and I pray that, Father, that, that God, this, this word would penetrate our hearts, and God, in a very personal way, because although this was being spoken to the house of Israel, God, I'm... Um, Wow, some 2,500 years ago, is still the very Word of God spoken to us today. Because one thing that we've understood, Lord, that people's always been people. We've all struggled with the same things. So, Father, I just pray that you'd bless our time, bless your Word, and, 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 and God, touch hearts, O oh Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I shared with you Sunday morning, one of and me had went and seen a fascinating movie over the weekend. It was called Risen. It was a, um, not written to be a Christian movie, but it would dealt with, with, with Christian things, the resurrection, and the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A very fascinating movie because it was done from the view of the Romans. You know, what, were they do about, what were they to do about this guy that was claimed to be risen? And, and the whole idea was this, 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 this Roman tribune. He was a very major leader within the Roman um, uh, as, as a Roman soldier that was Pilate's main soldier, that it was his responsibility to find the body of this Christ that had been crucified. And what, what you saw two or three times within the movie, that, that because it was a struggle and you could tell that this man himself, and it was a very personal, you know, he had, all, he had his own struggles. You know, he, he didn't like the, the, the fact that he was a soldier. He didn't like the fact that he was in the midst of killing. That was the job that he had to do, and that was something that he had to do. And so uh, you could see that it wasn't, that wasn't glorified because he didn't really like that type of life. That was his job. And so many times it saw him pull away, and I, I don't know if that was in his house, but he would pull away, and there'd be a wall. With, it was cut out within the wall, and there within the wall would be the little statue, a little idol of I don't know who it would be. And he would kneel down and he would, he would, he would talk to that idol and just share his heart just like we would think that we would kneel down and we would talk to God. And there was times as he was talking to that idol, you know, he would lay a, you know, a, some type of penance up on the idol and, and you could just feel... You know, he, he, he's just seeking something. Now, in all reality, when that scene plays out like that, that's very foreign to you and me. It's very foreign to me. 
Because in my mind and from my background, you know, how silly is that? You know, how, how silly is it to, to, to kneel down and, 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 and talk to a little statue? But in all reality, folks, that goes on all over the world today. As a matter of fact, a large amount of the population of the world still forms, still is involved in some type of idolatry worship. I've walked into churches in Honduras and seen their, 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 their statues of, of, of many of the different saints. I've walked in, in many times and have seen, you know, whether of whatever faith it may be, they're they're little statues. And again, it's very hard for, for, for me from my, the, the background that I've grown up in, but, but yet that's very prominent even in the world today is the, is the very thought of, uh, you know, of, of idolatry worship of actually, there, there, there's places in Baker County, there's homes in Baker County right now. If you go to their house, there's, a, there, 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 there's an altar, if you please, that there would be an idol sitting there. And again, wow, that is so foreign to me. But yet that is something that, is so, that man is so prone to. But I think what this passage does, that which seems to be so foreign to me, God makes it very personal in the way he describes idolatry in this particular passage. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight about the idols of the heart. Because here we have a setting tonight, and I want us to take this, and I want us to break it down, and I want to think about it, because, folks, it can be a little bit of convicting if you don't watch out. Because here are these elders, these were the leaders of Israel. These were the, the men of Israel that, that, um, that, led, that led Israel. They were probably religious leaders, but Isaiah, I mean, Ezekiel was known to be the main prophet of God. But, but these men came to Ezekiel seeking God. They, they, they knew that if they, if, they, if they wanted to hear from God, they, they needed to go to God's man and thank God that there was a man of God that they could go to. And they went and they sought him out. And I think about here tonight. <laughs> I'm not going to pamper myself so much to believe that you all came to hear me or Eddie preach. You know, I believe there are people came here tonight really seeking God. God, what do you have to say? And I believe on Sunday morning that, 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 that in all reality, when, when people get up and they, they take that day and they, they come to, to church or they come to a Sunday school class or they, they come to a, um, a, a discipleship meeting, that, that a large majority, and I can't speak of every person's motive, but there's a lot of people that are really there seeking what God has to say. And I, I can't assume that this is any different. That when the word of God says, then came certain of the elders unto Israel unto me and sat down before me, why else would they go to the prophet of God? But there's something very in intriguing that is that we went on and it says, and the word of the Lord came unto me. God spoke to his prophet. And listen to what God said to Ezekiel. Son of man, these men have set up idols within their heart and put thy stumbling block to their iniquity before their face. Should I even be inquired? Should I even let them talk? Should I even let them ask me anything? You know the first thing that jumps out at me when I read this, that the folks, we can't fool God. 
God knows what's in our hearts. I mean, we can dress up, we can go to a man of God, we can put a smile on her face, we can carry a Bible so doggone big we can't even, we, we have to bring a wheelbarrow to, to haul it in. But folks, God knows what's in our heart. And I think about these elders of Israel. I mean, these, these were the men of God. I mean, these were the dudes of Israel. They had come and obviously they, they, you know, they wanted to make that scene that, man, we've come to hear what God said. And even though they might have been dressed in all their religious garb and all their, their philanthropies and everything that showed how holy they were, you can't fool God. Because he knows what's already in our heart. I think I can stop right there and, that's, and, and, and just get us to thinking about that. That should wake every one of us up, folks. You know, every time we, we, we come to a service like this, God already knows what's in your heart. You might can fool the preacher and you might can fool the person next to you, but you're not going to fool God. You know, every time we come to the altar, you know, and we lay down and we're going to pray, folks, God knows what's in our heart. You know, every time we stand here, and boy, and I, and um, we, you know, we hear one of these powerful, powerful worship songs and we, you know, we, 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 we raise our hand in worship or we, you know, we, we just, we, we feel, see, God knows what's in your heart. You know, he knows the motives of why you're doing your thing. And I think that's something that we need to stop and consider every day. For every single one of us here this night gathered here, God knows our heart. We can't fool God. And that's what told God spoke to Ezekiel. I know what's in these guys' hearts. And I want you to stop and I want you to begin to contemplate that. And I want to thank you. I want, to, I want you to stop and also contemplate the, the foolishness of trying to fool God. I guarantee you there's times in my life that I've done things that I wouldn't have done if somebody else had been around. You may not have done that, but I have. I mean, I'll be frank with you. There's times, you know, I flat wouldn't do something or watch something if I, if I knew somebody else was watching me. But what the foolishness is, is, is God's right there with me. Isn't that crazy? You know, I'm hiding this from, from my wife or I'm hiding this from my mom or my dad. But God knows all about it. And that, that's what, you know, that's what the, the idea here is. Here's these men, these holy men, these supposedly important men come to Ezekiel to speak of the prophet, speak to the prophet, and the word of the Lord speaks to the prophet. I know what's in their hearts. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways. God knows it all. 
Paul speaks in Romans 8, 27, and he who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is, God knows what's in our heart. And, and, and what God begins to draw in when he says, I know what's going on in their lives, there's, there's two concepts that, that he brings. First of all, the idea of idols. And, and idolatry was, was, was absolutely specifically spoken of against by God. Now, I think the interesting thing probably about these men, you would not find a, a, a graven image around their house. Because they understood that, that, that idolatry broke specifically the first two commandments. Thou shalt have no other God before me, and thou shalt not have any graven image before me. I think it's very interesting that those are very, very combined because, because many times that people will make a graven image of God before them. But what, what, another idea of the graven image is this, is don't even you try to make something that you think is me. Because anything that we try to make that represents God brings God down because God can't be replicated, folks. So, so God says, I don't even want you to, to do that. Because you know what the proneness of man is? Even if we, we, we made something that we thought was replicating God, we would begin to worship the thing rather than God. In all reality, probably when the children of Israel um, was gathered at the, the base of Mount Sinai and Moses had went up and then they, they, they challenged Aaron to make a golden calf in their minds, this calf was to represent Yahweh God. Folks, you can't make anything that's going to replicate God. Idolatry. Because idolatry is simply an idol is something that is the object of our worship. And just like Clavius I shared with you in the movie, there was something that, that, that represented one of his gods that he, that, that he placed and he would sit down and, and he would have a worship experience with that idol. And it was an object of his worship. It was something that would draw him into some form of worship. And that, that goes on all over the world, even today. And God strictly forbids that. And probably in our lives, that we wouldn't have anything to do with that. Frank, it's always kind of, I love me some Chinese food. Always makes me feel a little at ease when a big old big belly Buddha sitting right there, you know, off to the side. Joe, it makes me think of myself, I think, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe if I rub my belly, you know, um, it'd be good luck. But, but I, you know, because that, 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 that is a part of, 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 of idolatry. If I go into a place where I've seen those, those types of things. But then he speaks of another concept. And so idol is that form of worship or that object of our worship. But then he says heart. It's a whole other concept that we, we begin to understand, especially within the idea of Judaism as well as Christianity, because, because in, in, in Judaism as well as in Christianity, we know that when God speaks of the heart, 
that he speaks that the heart is the very seat of everything that we do. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 4.23 says it best when it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And what it's saying, that everything we do in this life springs from our heart. You know, Jesus Christ, didn't Jesus Christ talk about that? That, that corrupt things come from a corrupt heart and, and good things um, come from, a, from good hearts because you can know a tree finds fruit. That every simple issue in life comes from the heart. Now, so many times within our culture, we, we think the heart only deals with, and, and we're, we're not speaking of that physical part of us that, that beats and sends blood, but we're talking about that soulish part of us. And, and we know that, that, so many t- that we only think of that that's, where our, that's the center of our emotions. You know, we, my heart gets broken. Or when we have Valentine's Day, you know, what, what, what's the symbol of Valentine's Day that, you know, of a heart? And, you know, and I love you because, and it is, a, it is the center of our emotions, but folks, that's not the only function of the heart from the Spanish with the soul of man because that's just a part of it. That's our emotional part is only a part of our life. But also the, the, the heart is also the very, is just the very center of also our, under, our, of our understanding. We, we sing a worship song here, and, 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 and we can find that text, that open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Because our true understanding comes from, from the wisdom that God has placed within our heart that we can see and that we can perceive and that we can understand, that we can only have true understanding of God if, if, if our heart is open. I, I love the, the passages and passage in Philippians when the Apostle Paul was preaching, um, or it's actually in Acts, but when he was, he was preaching in Philippi, and it speaks about Lydia, and the Bible says he opened her heart. And when he opened her heart, she could understand the things of God. And so our very understanding, it's not only our emotions, but our very understanding comes, it flows from our heart. That's why we're to keep our heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the issues of life. But it's not only our emotions, our understanding, but our actions. And that's what Jesus Christ says, that every action, whether it be good or whether it be bad, flows from our heart. For out of a heart of corruption brings corruption out of of a heart that was just good, would bring forth goodness. But also worship. True worship has to be flow from the heart. So what God has done with these, these men as he's speaking to, to Isaiah, these men that have come to them, these men that would have, they, because they understand the law and, and they, were, they were probably Pharisaical. That, this was really before Pharisees had really become to come up. But I think these were men that, that, that tried to be stringent within their law-keeping. And, and they would probably nowhere around their house have a little silver idol or a gold idol. But what God done is he, he combined these two terms, this idea of, of, of idols and then in the and then in the heart, and he says, you know, they may not have any physical idols, but they've set up idols where? In their heart. So God's not speaking about that physical idol. He's speaking about that idol that we've 
we've placed in our heart. So now I can begin to understand. You know, although I may never bow down my knee to an idol, a physical idol, I wonder how much I've been like these men and I've bowed down to idols that I've placed in my heart. And that's what God was saying. Son of man, I know these guys. And what do I know about them? I know that they have set up idols within their hearts. And to me, that brings it very much to me. I think it also should bring it very much to you. Because we might make much ado about the person that, you know, that, 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 that again, would have, would have the, the idol of Buddha or the idol of a saint within their house. But how many of us has an idol that's placed right in the center of our heart? You see, you can't fool God. I mean, I mean, if you walked into my house and I'm or your house, you might have it just as pristine and clean and and and, and appearing to be just completely idle free, but not not understanding that God knows it's not about what's around you, it's what's in you. And I think it's also very interesting that when we think about, well, how, how do those, those idols of the heart that, that, that God is speaking of to Ezekiel, how did he get them there? Did somebody else, you know, we, we love to blame other people for everything. But, but God makes it very clear how those idols got in their heart because he actually says it twice very, very distinctly in verse, one, being in verse 3. He says, son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart. And then again, he says in verse 4, Therefore speak unto them, saith and, and saith unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up the idols in his heart. And this whole idea of setteth up is, 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 is putting in a prominent position. It gives us the idea that when, if you remember when, when Isaiah saw the Lord, that he was high and lifted up sitting on the throne, that, that, you know, that he, he, he was in a prominent place. And this is what that idea is, is where we have placed idols in our heart in very prominent places, that we have set them up on the throne of our heart. And they have become our gods. Hmm. And we can't blame anybody else because the Word of God says they are the one that set it up within their own hearts. And folks, we're the one that, that allows those idols to be set up in our hearts. We're the one that sets them up. Someone doesn't, someone doesn't sneak in our our in the middle of the night and set these things up in our heart, we're the one that sets them up. And listen to what he says. Let's just think of the danger. Uh, just the, uh, Pastor, does it really matter? Listen to how it matters to God. He says, first of all, in verse 3 says, these men have set up idols within their heart and they've put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. 
And then he says, should I even be inquired of at all by them? It's like, here, here's, God, here's a picture of God of heaven speaking to the prophet. And, and kind of, I mean, this is, a, you know, he, he knows the answer to this. But he's, he, he's kind of saying this in jest. Son of man, should I even let them talk to me? Because God is saying, why should I even let you talk to me when you have replaced me with the idols of your heart? And I, I think that's, that's a major issue within itself. The boy, we can run to God and we can pray to Him when, when we have need, but, but what God is saying, if, if you're sitting there with idols in your heart where you've, you've set them above me, why should I even listen to you? Because think of it in practical manners. You know, what if someone told you that you were not important to them and you moved them out of the way and they replaced, you know, <laughs> replaced you with somebody else and then they come seeking something from you? Wouldn't that kind of be a slap in the face? I mean, I mean, Sue, it'd be kind of bad if old Mike left you and found him and another little gal out there. That'd be bad. And I'm, not, and I'm, not just, I'm just saying this in jest. And then his rent came due and he'd come to you and ask you to help him with the rent and his little gal. That, 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 that would deserve about a 45 caliber, wouldn't it? That's what's being said here. Here you've, you know... Here, the, the, the one that's the lover of your soul that has given everything for you, and you've removed me and set something else up on the idol of your heart, and now you're coming to me. And he's saying, Why, son of man, should I even listen to him? Aren't you glad we serve a merciful God? Because <laughs> that's, what's, that's what's going on here. The very God whom we've committed adultery against, now we're going to him and helping, asking him how to, how, to, how to help us out of our mess. But, 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 he gives, but, but even from a spiritual sense, he gives some very practical things. Listen to us. He says, and he says, he's put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. And what that's talking about, the very things that causes you to stumble into iniquity, th th those idols are the very thing that causes you to stumble in your iniquity. Now, probably there's, there's not many things around the house that makes me much matter when I go to bed late at night and got all the lights turned off, and then I step on about three of one of Sue's shoes that she has left out in, the, you know, out, out in my way. Guys, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but that's happened to me more than once. That doesn't happen to you. You're just, you just trying to... You know, why in the world, and, and, and why in the world would she leave that right there? And, like, and then, you know, if I ever say this, he says, Johnny, do you really think I put them things right there so you could go and fall all over them? <laughs> but you think about it, you know, you don't, you don't lay things around that's going to cause you to stumble. And, and uh, that's kind of crazy. 
But he says that's what you do when you put idols in your heart because they are going to cause you to stumble. That's, going to cause, that's what's going to cause you to fall down. That's, what you, that's, going, to, that's what's going to cause iniquity, that, that you fall into iniquity. You can't blame the devil. You can't blame anybody else. You, you only need to blame that, uh, that idol that you've placed in your heart because that is the thing that's caused you to stumble into iniquity. And so what God is basically saying there, are, are you tired of stumbling in iniquity? Then he was saying, you need to get rid of that idol out of your heart. Because the stumbling is simply a symptom of the idol. And so that's very, very practical. You know, God, if, if I am so tired of this, of, of, of this burning rage within my heart, then I need to get rid of that idol of unforgiveness that I have towards somebody else. Or if I've woke up from a drunken rage and I've punched out all the walls and tore up my back, you know, and how crazy is that? You know, tearing up a door or, you know, throwing things around because I was drunk and then I got to get up and re repair all of it. You know how I can solve that problem? Is remove that idol from my heart. Because that is what's causing me to stumble into iniquity. And, 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 and because God says, it, those are the very things, they set up idols within their heart, the very things that cause them to stumble into iniquity. And, and then not only that, those are the very things that are legitimately keep, can, can keep God from answering our prayers. And, and then look at what he says. Um, in verse 4 and following. Therefore speak unto them and say to them, Thus saith the Lord, every man that the house of Israel that sets up the idols in his heart and puts the stumbling block of iniquity before his face and comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him. He said, I don't need somebody else to talk, do my talking for me. He says, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols, that I may take the... the, take the that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart because they are all estranged from me through their idols. Our idols estrange us from God. It separates us from God. Our idols are, are, are as a an act of, again, adultery against God that gives him the right uh, because of, of our adultery to him to separate himself away from us. And he has every right. He's the lover of our soul that has given us the very breath that we breathe. But then you replace him from the throne of your heart with idols that you have set up in place of him. And then we wonder, why can't I hear from God? Why can't my prayers be answered? God, why am I so miserable? And what God is basically saying, don't blame me. You set up idols within your heart. And, and as I close, I think about that, you know, 
How does that apply to me? Folks, we do the very same thing today. Again, God is not speaking of, 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 of some little gold statue. He's speaking about something spiritual within our heart that, we, that, that, that we have placed before him. That, that we have chosen to worship for him, and that really controls our life. It, the, our very life is driven. What, what are some of those idols? Let me just ask you the question. Let's make this interactive. What are some of the idols that we set up in our own heart, even today? Anything, anything. But what are, what are, let's talk about some of those anythings. And that's right. Anger, run forgiveness. But where does that come from? It's a control situation, isn't it? It's our own self because we've been offended that, that we've placed ourselves. And if somebody has offended us, I have, I have, to, I have, I, I, I have to protect myself. And so really we worship ourselves more than God because we're going to protect ourselves, whatever it takes. And anger and unforgiveness is a result of that. Well, what's some other things? Excuse me? Money? Do you think people do that? Stuff, you know, stuff. I mean, you know, it can show up in money or it can show up in houses or cars or the clothes that we wear. Have to be better than the Joneses. And, and, and I'm telling you, we place that high within our heart. You know, spending money that we don't even have. That, you know, I love that. You know, we spend money that we don't even have to impress the people that don't, we don't even like. <laughs> but we do that. As a matter of fact, our culture is driven that. We, you know, we are a consumer-driven culture because we, are, we, are, we have absolutely are consumed with getting more stuff. And folks, people are people, these people. You know, success, as I've heard, and, you know, and that can be in a lot of different places. I can, you know, that can be, you know, in the business world or in the academic world or um, that can be in the political world. That could be in the sports world that, you know, everything revolves around that I want to be on top so everybody can look at me and pat me on the back and whoever I've got to walk over or, you know, how... You know, as long, and I don't want God to get in my way, you know, so if I have to, if it, if, if it means skipping church to get to the top or, or it means, you know, um, twisting a deal to get to the top, even though I know in my, my heart, you know, I, I know in my heart that God doesn't want me to do that. Folks, if, if, if we do that which we know not, then God's not our God anymore. That which drives us is our God. Because remember, it's out of the, the heart flows the issues of man. And, and if, if all I have is a drive to get to the top and step on anyone or, or, or um, go against the things of God, that's my God. I'll tell you something else. I, talk, I was talking to someone just the other day. And when I said this, and they about jumped up, that is a, we, we, 
we, we, live, we especially live in a culture today, we have placed our children as idols of our heart. We worship our children in our society today. We, don't want, we want them to have the best of everything and don't want them to hurt or go through what we've done. It's like we've put them on this little pedestal and then we, we teach them that they're little gods and then we wonder why, why in the... Folks, that's what's driving this socialism that's within our world today because we've raised a group of little kids that think everybody owes them something because they're gods. And so they think everybody, that the whole world owes them something and they don't have to pay for it. That's, folks, that's socialism. And it's, but, but guess what? They didn't just happen that way. We have raised them that way because we have made them their own little gods. And, and, and it's, it's prominent within our society today that, that we have placed children, and, and, and God has caused us to raise, you know, I mean, he, you know, God's, Jesus Christ himself, you know, you know, woe unto the man that brings harm to one of them, but what he's speaking about is, is that it's going to affect their eternal soul. Well, I tell you what affects their eternal soul is when we make gods out of them and think the world revolves around them rather than around God Almighty. But that's very prominent. You know, sex. I mean, you can't even turn on the TV. I can't even buy a, watch a Coca-Cola commercial without getting slammed in my face, something that would have been illegal to put on TV 40 years ago. I have to turn off the TV and I, I literally, you know, I got home after church and was wanting to watch the end of the ball game or the Super Bowl game and, 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 and didn't even turn my TV on until I went and took a shower because I didn't want to watch halftime. I couldn't even watch a halftime show. But folks, that sells. And why does it sell? It's because we have placed sex as an idol of our heart. And look where that has got. You think that's caused a few people to stumble? Folks, it's caused more than a few pastors to stumble. It's caused more than a, a, a few, few daddies to stumble. It's, 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 it's caused more than a few mamas to stumble. And it's, it's caused, caused tremendous amount of conflict in homes and children because, because people have made idols of sex and, and, and they've placed them high upon their heart, even above God. And... and and that's what God is saying, you know, that's what God is saying to these people. You know, here you are, you're coming and sitting down and you want to hear from me. And, and you know, you, you're so pious looking on the outside and you're all dressed up. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, I see all those idols that's in your heart. And I don't even know if I need to talk to you all. But again, thank God for his mercy. Because it was his mercy that he was even speaking to the prophet so he could, he could tell. It was out of his mercy that he said these very, very next words. He says, even though you've come to me, I know that you've got idolatry in your heart. He says, I want to tell you what you can do about it. And that's what he says in verse 6. He says, therefore, say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, repent and turn yourselves away from your idols and turn your faces from all your abominations. It's the very mercy of God that he allows us to repent. And come back to him. 
because he, God, God could legitimately, in all of his justness and righteousness, just turn his back on us, from us and just walk away. He says, look what you've done to me. But if you would just turn your hearts back to me and turn away from your abominations. You know, if, if, if my people would, you know, would hear my voice and turn from their wicked ways, then I'd hear from heaven. And that's, that's what he's saying here. And so that's the good news, folks. That God desires us to come back to Him. And so tonight as I close, I just, I just challenge each of us to stop and think about right now that, that God knows what's in our hearts. You, you, you're not hiding anything. I'm not hiding anything from Him. He knows what idols we have set up within our heart. And God says, all these things are, are doing in your life is causing you to stumble. And he says, but you know what? What I desire of you is just to repent and to turn back. Put me back there. And I'll heal you. Folks, we serve a merciful God. He's very honest. He's very straight with us. But he desires relationship.